0: Welcome to the Graphic Histories Podcast. My name is Andre Mayette, and I'm your host. Thanks again to Ukla the Mock for our theme song, Superpowers. Look them up on Apple Music, Spotify, any of your general ways that you listen to music. It is there. They are fantastic. They're, all their songs are kind of based around uh, comic book stuff or superheroes, sci-fi, um, nostalgia for someone uh, of my ilk. And yeah, I think you'll like them as well, so make sure to check them out. I also hope you enjoyed last week's episode featuring Brenda Hickey, a.k.a. Brenda Little, um, artist and writer of My Little Pony and uh, Halls of the Turnip King and some creator-owned projects. Uh, As I mentioned on the Facebook page, uh, the Kickstarter for her and her husband's uh, production company is now up for Pegamoose Press. Um, They're putting out another volume of Angora Napkin. Uh, I backed a level of that, which will give me the Angora Napkin book, but also give me Brenda's book, The Hall of the Turnip King, which is really cool. So now I can get them both in one go, and I don't have to worry about tracking it down since I missed the Kickstarter of the Turnip King initially. So now I can get it, and you can too, so make sure you head to Kickstarter, look up Angora Napkin, and uh, give it a back, check the tiers, and see the one that I did. There's also an option to have them do a sketch and personalize a little bit for you, which is the tier that I happen to have selected. And it looks like a pretty cool one, but there are some higher ones and a lot of other crazier uh, prizes. So check them out and definitely give it a back because those books are really fun and I don't think you will be disappointed. Uh, nothing much going on in my life at the moment. Uh, the usual stuff. I've been the summer is here. It is here with a vengeance, and all the little things I had to do around the house this summer I'm start, finally getting kind of done. Putting away wood. Just, uh, staining decks, all that sort of fun stuff. But how are you? How are you using your time with COVID-19? Are you are you getting things done? Are you doing things around the house? Are you working on that project? You finally wanted to get off the ground. The project I wanted to get off the ground was this one right here, the Graphic Histories podcast. And I think it's been going fairly well. I just checked my subscribers. Um, they seem to be doing well up into the hundreds, which is good. It's a slow slog, but I'm really excited to have the, the people we do. And I really thank you for subscribing. If you have, if you haven't, then what are you waiting for? Get out there, subscribe, Spotify, CastBox, iTunes, um, Stitcher. It's on all of them. And make sure you subscribe on those platforms and continue to listen in so you don't miss all the wonderful graphic histories that you uh, could listen to to prepare for the appearances of some of these characters in their respective TV shows, movies, etc. Today's subject is Michael Morbius, also known as the Living Vampire, who is getting his own film coming out very soon from Sony Pictures, starring Jared Leto as the titular character. I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I watched the trailer. Aside from a really cool um, version of the Moonlight Sonata uh, that they used on the trailer, it reminds me a lot of, like, Blade Trinity or some of those, like, early to mid-2000 superhero movies that... uh, weren't all that great. I'm looking at you, X-Men 3. However, I don't know, you know. Um, like, I, like I said, when uh, I talked about the fact that Venom, the the sequel for the Venom movie was getting a title and that Woody Harrelson was in it and those sort of things, um, you know, Sony made an okay movie, in my opinion, with Venom. It was fine. Just fine. I give it like a 5, 6 out of 10. It didn't blow me away. It was kind of cookie-cutter. But it was okay, so I feel like Morbius will be more of that. I I hope I'm surprised, really hope I'm surprised, but uh, I'm also cynical, and the cynic in me is telling me that it is not going to blow me away. But, you know, I'm going to go in with an open mind. I'm going to go in and really hope that I am going to get some of that sweet, sweet living vampire action that I so crave. But now you, gentle listener, are going to get to hear the graphic history of Michael Morbius and his uh, impact on the Marvel Universe, where he's come from, where he's been, and a little hint on where he might be going. So I hope you enjoy and learn a thing or two about mad science gone wrong. Dr. Michael Morbius was a Greek-born, Nobel Prize-winning scientist with a rare genetic blood disorder. Using a combination of enzymes found in vampire bats and electrical energy, he was able to cure his condition with one horrifying side effect. As well as erasing his disorder, his experiment turned him into a form of half-vampire, if you will. This unique condition gave him a sensitivity to sunlight and the need to consume blood. It also gave him enhanced strength, speed, agility, and healing, as well as the ability to fly. With these new powers, his physical form also mutated, giving him pale white skin, vampiric teeth, and a flattened bat-like nose. When feeding on others, he would also spread this type of living vampirism to his victims, and after his experiment was completed, he was overcome with the need to sate his bloodlust and murdered his assistant. In something directly from Bram Stoker's Dracula, Morbius traveled to America by ship and slaughtered the crew within when he needed to consume their blood for his survival. Overcome with grief and guilt, he would attempt to take his own life, but fail and secure a residence in a beach house to contemplate the next stage of his un-life. While there, he encountered the masked hero known as Spider-Man, who was suffering the effects of a further mutation to his abilities that provided him with six arms. Michael attacked web-slinger only to be interrupted by Dr. Kirk Connors, who had transformed into the villainous persona of the lizard once more. Biting Dr. Connors before he escaped, Spider-Man was surprised to see the lizard reverted back to his human form. Determining that Morbius' blood could hold the key to their respective conditions, the two decided to work together and track down their mutual foe. Upon finding Michael, the duo managed to extract some blood from him before he escaped once more into the ocean. Using the fruit of their labor, Spider-Man was able to return to normal for a brief period and Kirk Connors temporarily cured his transformations. Managing to survive, Dr. Morbius washed ashore and was found by Jefferson and Jacob Bolt. Morbius, in his weakened state, lashed out for sustenance and fed on Jefferson, transforming him into a pseudo-vampire as well. During this time, Michael's fiancée, Martine Bancroft, reached out to the Fantastic Four, seeking help in retrieving her monstrous former lover. Team member Johnny Storm, also known as the Human Torch, sought out Hans Jorgensen, a former colleague of Michael's. During his search, he would team with Spider-Man and they would battle the living vampire with Morbius escaping with Hans after inadvertently killing his minion Jefferson. Charles Xavier would hear of the kidnapping of his old friend Jorgensen and send his students the X-Men after Spider-Man, believing the inaccurate story that the wall crawler was responsible. Upon learning the truth, the mutants and Web Spinner would unite and defeat Morbius, rescuing the Doctor. Upon his retrieval, Jorgensen would permanently cure Spider-Man of his continued mutations. Reuniting with his fiancé, Michael would try to overcome his condition and use his abilities to help others. In doing so, he and Martine would battle the demented Reverend Daemond and visit a magical land named Arcturus that was home to a group of cat people. There, Michael would battle their champion, Balcatar, and eventually team with the feline warrior to battle Daemon together, but the mysterious villain would prove elusive. Afterwards, he would be placed in the crosshairs of renowned vampire hunter and half-vampire himself, Blade. Making Blade aware of his condition and gaining another ally, the two would defeat Daemon and a psychic vampire he would create named Terra. After these events, Michael would meet a CIA agent named Simon Shroud, who is tasked with his capture. Once again turning a foe into a friend, he and Shroud would work with Bancroft to battle traditional vampires. The Legion of Monsters, a group made up of supernatural heroes, would welcome Michael into their fold as they investigated the appearance of the Starseed, the last survivor of an ancient alien race. Attempting to curb their mutual hungers, Morbius and the Man-Wolf would attack the visitor. Ghost Rider and man would attempt to stop their teammates, but in the battle, Manthing's burning touch would decimate Starseed, placing him at death's door. In a final act of good faith, the elder being would attempt to cure the members of the team of their various mutations and conditions, but perish before he could complete the process. Dejected from these events, Dr. Morbius would reach out to a former friend, Ronson Slade, whose scientific abilities could help cure his living vampirism once and for all. Sadly unknown to Michael, Ronson had become a werewolf during their separation, and while transformed, was therefore killed by his long-lost colleague. Another Fantastic Four member would encounter the living vampire. This time, Ben Grimm and Morbius would battle the living eraser. Not kidding, that's his name. And after his defeat, Michael would use the villain's transdimensional devices to leave the Earth and spare its people the terrifying results of his condition. In doing so, he would encounter the empathoid, an android who was created by an unknown alien race to be attuned to its master's emotions. However, it craved stronger, more violent feelings and eventually outlived its creators. It was the last surviving being on its barren planet and going dormant until Dr. Morbius' arrival reawakened it. Fusing with the Doctor, the being would return to Earth seeking more emotions and encounter Spider-Man who would knock Michael unconscious separating him from the alien body snatcher. The alien creation would then possess the wall crawler who would fight his control. Speeding to a football stadium, the Empathoid would be overcome with emotions from the crowd flooding his senses and leave Spider-Man shutting down. Recovering from that altercation, Morbius would again succumb to his bloodlust and battle Spider-Man once more. This time during the fight, he would be struck by lightning, seemingly curing him of his condition. This return to normalcy would last for several years before his vampiric abilities would return to plague her subject once more. Shortly after, He would be captured by Hydra agent and scientist Dr. Loxius Crown to be studied. Spider-Man would free Morbius and the two would fight Crown amidst an exploding island. Michael would gain the upper hand, draining Crown of his blood and turning him into another living vampire. After the superhero civil war, the empowered citizens of the world were coerced into registering under the Superpower Registration Act. As a government-backed agent, Morbius would join Armour, an organization that would monitor extra-dimensional activity on Earth. During his tenure, he would encounter beings from a parallel Earth where a plague turned most of the Earth's heroes and villains into zombified versions of themselves. Morbius was incapacitated and replaced by his zombified doppelganger in order to infiltrate armor and bring his plague-riddled friends into our world for a feeding frenzy. Our Michael would eventually destroy his double and a few other remnants of that universe to prevent the further incursion into our world. Joining an underground monster society, Morbius would help return Frank Castle to life, using the Bloodstone after he was cut apart by Wolverine's son, Dakin. In doing so, the group hoped to create a soldier to defend them against a group of monster hunters seeking to destroy them. After Frank Castle returned to his normal form, Michael turned his attention back towards the alternate universe zombie virus he encountered earlier, enlisting Howard the Duck and Machine Man to aid in his research. Sending the unlikely duo to alternate planes of existence to collect strains of various viruses in order to determine a cure, his actions deemed inappropriate by armor, they would arrest Dr. Morbius for stepping over the proverbial line. Upon his release, he would accept a position working in secret for Horizon Labs, the workplace of Spider-Man's alter ego, Peter Parker. There, he was known as Number Six and was only seen in a hazmat suit to conceal his identity, receiving his employment by the company's owner and an old friend of her subject named Max Modell. While working in secret, he would help Mr. Fantastic develop a cure for an infectious virus that gave everyone in New York City Spider-Man's abilities. When his curiosity got the best of him, Peter would attempt to learn the identity of the mysterious Number Six and provoke Morbius into a confrontation, discovering that he was working on a cure with Kirk Connors to cure their respective conditions. He managed to remove the ability to transform from Dr. Connors, but in doing so, removed Kurt's personality, leaving the lizard trapped in a human form. Exposing Michael to blood in order to drive him into a frenzy and discredit him, Connors would continue the villainous work of his evil persona and Morbius would be beaten and apprehended by Spider-Man. Now, residing in the superpowered prison known as the Raft, Morbius escaped alongside the lizard after Spider-Man's mind was trapped in Dr. Octopus's dying body, and he organized the breakout in order to capture his former body and restore his mind to it. Morbius lived on a crime-filled street in Brownsville afterwards, where he met a street thug named Noah St. Germain. The two ended up having a fight in the subway, which left Morbius mortally wounded with a gunshot wound in his chest. Morbius later would kill Noah and his gang. He would then go to war with the criminal element and incite a gang war against Spider-Man villain, the Rose. With the aid of their reunited legion of monsters, the living vampire would end the Rose's life along with his evil schemes. Sometimes a hero, sometimes a villain, Morbius continues to tread a very thin line between the two. Although he has had a good heart that desires to use his abilities for the better, that heart still remains in a body that continues to thirst for blood and with a hunger that strong, who knows what the future holds for the Marvel Universe's resident living vampire. Halloween came a little early this year as we delved into the history of Michael Morbius, the living vampire. The Marvel Universe is so... Rich and broad and vast, and has such a complex group of characters. A lot uh, a lot one thing I do really like about the Marvel Universe is that they have really welcomed a lot of varying degrees of genres well within the Marvel Universe itself. I mean DC Comics does do that as well. Or I feel like Marvel really has a really broad um, horror kind of aspect when it comes to some of their heroes and their villains. Uh, which makes it really cool. I mean, DC has that as well, not to not to put them aside. I really don't have a preference. I mean, Spider-Man is probably my favorite property in, in the comic book world as far as heroes go. However, DC has done some really amazing stuff too. But uh, Morbius does fit within the the Marvel oeuvre of horror icons, I suppose. Um, getting a movie and uh, having various series throughout the 90s and uh, recently, not too long ago before it was canceled, But that is his history. You've heard it. You now know about Michael Morbius, the living vampire. And hopefully you're a little more prepared when the movie comes out. And as I mentioned earlier, hopefully it is a good one. We will see. We will wait and see. And we will hope. Oh, God, will we hope. But, uh, that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I also hope you tune into future episodes. Please subscribe. Please like the Facebook page. Drop me a line. I would love to see some comments. I'd love to read some uh, fan emails if you have them out there. Send them in. I'd like to hear them. And uh, please tell a friend. Just just say, hey, you like comics? Maybe give it a listen. Why not? And if you don't, well, I'll still love you anyway. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Andre Maed, and it's been a true pleasure.